Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Super good to see you all here this morning. Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, JD and Chris and Jerry and Kate and Evan stepping up to take the lead. If you don't know it, Evan is actually our worship coordinator. He's over like technology back here, front of house, back of house, but he's also a gifted drummer and a gifted worship leader. So super thankful for him to step in and take the lead and let uh, Jason Martin have a Sunday off with his family. Uh, just uh, We're going to be in Malachi 3, as Mike was just reading. If you want to turn there, if you aren't sure where Malachi is, it's the last book in the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, just go to the left a couple pages and you're there uh, in Malachi 3. Um, just a quick announcement before we get started. Uh, we are um, adding an all-member meeting to the calendar in a couple weeks um, on December the 4th, 5 p.m. Uh, we reserve these for really important uh, discussions and announcements uh, that we need to make. And so um, if you can mark your calendar for December the 4th at 5 p.m., and there's going to be some upcoming leadership changes and transitions going to be made, and we want to talk about that with the church family. So I want you to come be a part of that. Um, this is going to be in an important enough meeting where um, we decided not to provide child care because we don't want volunteers who would need to be in here and part of that meeting watching our kiddos. So I'd say this, it's an important enough meeting that I would encourage you, if you've got little ones, go ahead and arrange childcare. Get a sitter, family, whatever, so you can be here to be a part of that meeting. Um, so that's on December the 4th at 5 p.m., all-member meeting. Two things, if you are here and you're not a member, but you're like, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a member, you're, you're welcome to come. It's not exclusive. We're not voting on anything. This is just a, a church family gathering, so I invite you to come be a part of that. And I know, Anytime somebody makes an announcement like that, it's like, what's going on? And uh, so uh, it would be a blessing to us if you wouldn't take that curiosity and start poking and prodding and cornering staff and elders and asking them, what's this meeting about? Um, if you could, it would be a blessing to us if you would take that energy instead and take it to the Lord in prayer and just pray for our church and pray for our leadership, our staff and our elders, and then come be a part of um, this family meeting on December the 4th at 5 p.m. So um, there you go. All right, so uh, here we go. We're going to be in Malachi today in chapter 3. Uh, it's interesting. Um, the book of Malachi doesn't get preached from a whole lot. And I'm going to give you an overview of the whole book in just a minute. Um, but typically, the book of Malachi doesn't get preached unless, unless it's a sermon on tithing. Like this is the go-to place for preachers who want to, uh, to preach on tithing, because this is the place where God says, hey, you've been withholding the tithe from me. You've been robbing me of your finances. Come and bring the tithe and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you. And so, like last week, I was talking about the connection between giving and worship, and how when we went into, like, that mode where it was time to, like, make sure we had enough money to build this building, we actually uh, interviewed several different like um, church finance consulting companies and uh, went through three of them before we found the company that actually helped us um, to move into this time of, of raising funds as a part of worship. But before that, I'll never forget, we interviewed three different companies and with each one, it was the same thing. It was like, okay, preacher, we need four to six sermons on giving, and we know Malachi 3 is going to be one of them, so pick out your other five and then, and then put it in order, and there you go. And it's like, like really, that's, that's how you raise funds as a church? You, you preach Malachi 3. And so 
really the, the book of Malachi is a book on worship. And um, it's a really convicting book, uh, just a few chapters. But the outline of the book is this, God is coming to his people, to the nation of Israel, and it hasn't been that long since he rescued them out of captivity, and they've come back uh, to their native land to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city. And so you would think that God's people would be just overwhelmed with like, gratitude and, and affection and worship. And in just a short amount of time, their hearts began to drift from the Lord. So he comes to them through the prophet Malachi, and he's calling them back to himself and calling them back to worship. And the book is outlined with seven questions from God's people to him. And these are the kind of questions, if you've got kids, especially teenagers, the kind of questions that our teenagers act or ask when they're defending themselves, okay? So it's like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about how disrespectful you've been lately. And then you get back, well, when, when have I been disrespectful? You're like, besides right now, you mean? Like, you mean the other times? Because you're doing it now. And so whenever a question is asked, it's like a mechanism of defense. There are seven questions God's people ask of him, just like a snotty teenager who's trying to defend their rebellion or defend their disrespect. So here are the questions. Uh, the first question that they ask of God, God just, he starts the book of Malachi in a gentle, kind way, and he's calling them back to himself like a father calls a son. And they're like, but God, when have you loved us? <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, remember how I chose Jacob and not Esau? Let's start there. I chose you. Like, I've been loving you since before you were born. The second question comes up, and God starts talking to them about their worship, and they're like, God, but when, when did we despise your name? He's like, well, let's just talk about your worship. You know how you're bringing in, like, the blind animals and the ones that are about to die and the ones that have mange and some kind of disease, and that's what you're offering up on, on the altar? Like, that's despising my, my name. He even goes, he says, hey, try to pay your taxes like that and see how it goes. Like, you don't, even, you don't even do that with the local government, yet you're bringing me these, these, these cheap tokens of, of worship, and you don't even pay your taxes that way. And they ask another question. Well, then, when have we defiled you? And he's like, okay, here, here, here's how you defile me. You come into the temple, and you cover the altar with tears, and then right after that, you cover it with complaints. You're complaining about what I'm not doing for you, yet you have defiled the covenant we made with one another and once more. Your men are defiling their marriage covenants. They're divorcing like crazy and going after foreign wives, and, and yet you're coming into worship and you're just complaining about what I'm not doing for you. And then the next question is, well then, how have we wearied you? Like, how are we wearing you out, God? He said, you know how you come to me and you keep complaining that I'm blessing the wicked, but the righteous are going without? Like, I'm getting weary of hearing that. I'm getting tired of you coming in and, and you're looking at what everybody else has, and you're like, well, how come the wicked are being blessed and, and we're not? And then God says, here, I want you to turn back to me. And then I, I love this question because it, it has that same attitude 
How can we turn back to you? How can we return to you? And God's answer is a loving father. Is this. He says, hey, here, here's what you can do. You ready? It's, it's going to be a lot. Get your pencil and paper out. It's a long list. Here's what I want you to do. Return to me and see that I'll return to you. And then the next question that comes up is, God, how are we robbing you? How are we robbing you? You're robbing us. And God's like, here's how you're robbing me. You're withholding the tithe. I've been blessing you and providing what you've needed, but instead of like bringing 10% back to me and giving it as an offering, you're hoarding it and you're robbing me. And then the last question, which we'll look out today is this one. How have we spoken against you? How have we spoken against you? So we're going to back up for a minute and just do some, some foundational work that we've been doing in this series. I want to, I want to use the, the slides that we've been using to illustrate this. So like the basic understanding of worship is this. Let me just start with like worship 101, okay? Requires God to be God and us to be human. Okay, that's worship 101. If that's not in, in line, worship isn't happening. So as we get to know God, as we read about him in the scriptures, as we interact with him as he is, and we begin to see him as God, our hearts begin to become overwhelmed with, with worship. But the second part of that is, is we have to be human. And the fastest way to get to human is to be honest about what you need. We talked about this last week. When I am honest about my need, I am confessing I am not God. But if I withhold being honest about my needs, right, I'm essentially saying I don't need God. But worship doesn't happen unless God is God and I am human. And the fastest way to get to human is to be honest about what I need, to tell the truth about that to God and to others. So this is what we've been talking about in this series. We talk about worship. How do we get to worship? We're not, we're not talking about songs. We're not talking about just actions. We're talking about what starts inside of your heart. You are a human being in need. You were created in need. You have always needed God. Adam was created with a need for a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. The good news is, in creation, that need was being satisfied. God said, it's not good for you to be alone. You have a need. And I will fulfill that need, Adam, by showing up and walking with you in the garden. And I will create a helpmate, another person for you to do life with, to do relationship with, and we will, be sati we will satisfy your needs that way. And the first thing that happens when sin enters the story is broken relationship with God, broken relationship with one another. And so now on this side of the fall, not only are we in need, our needs are not being met. And so what happens is when we take our need, whatever it is, my need to be accepted, my need to know that I'm loved, my need to be safe, when I take that need to the presence of God, here's what happens. I become overwhelmed with gratitude. He accepts me. He doesn't reject me. He protects me. He defends me. He loves me. And so therefore now I love 
him and I am motivated to sacrifice and to obedience. Jesus says it this way in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See how that works? Out of our love for Jesus, we then obey. Obedience without love is empty. God says this is like you're, you're showing up and you're running the plays and you're saying the right words, but your hearts are a long ways away from me. I want your hearts. I don't want all this activity. I want your brokenness. I don't want your empty words. Jesus says to his people, if you love me, if we are in a loving relationship, it will lead towards obedience. He says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you. So, right, I love you and you now want to obey. Here's what you do, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Church, you have been loved well by Jesus already. And because you have been loved well, when you position yourself in the love of God, your hearts will be compelled then to obedience, sacrifice, worship. And he says, here's what I want you to do with some of that desire now to obey me. I want you to turn it towards one another and go serve one another. You see, for the nation of Israel, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the idea of serving God and worship were not two things. They were one. The idea of serving God was always an expression of worship. It always came out of gratitude for who God is and what God has done. Whether we're talking about the, the, the offering they put on the altar or the way they served the temple in the temple or the way they served one another, it was always seen as an expression of worship. It came out of what was going on on the inside. I love what um, Evan said in both of our services today. He said, hey, we're not here trying to like conjure up the Holy Spirit or like convince him to come hang out with us. That's not what happens when the saints gather. We're not trying to like just throw a Hail Mary and hope God shows up. Actually, God is the one who showed up first and has laid the invitation for us. He's drawing us near. We're not trying to convince him to come hang out with us. Like he's initiating this thing. We love because he first loved us. And here, now we're going to talk about this call to serve one another as an act of worship out of hearts that are filled with gratitude and love for Jesus, then we shall love one another well. And so now in Malachi 13, we'll pick up, and this is where this last question comes back to God. What have we spoken against you? Verse 13. Your words have been hard against me. Uh, that Hebrew word translates stout. God's saying, like, hey, it's really hard to, like, listen to you right now. Your words are hitting me really hard. Your words are stout against me. They're hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, have we spoken against you? He says this, you have said, here's how you've spoken against me. You've said this, it is vain to serve God. 
Now, if we go back a few weeks to where we were in the Ten Commandments, and we looked at how the first four commandments really are God's calling us to worship, one of the things he says is that we should not take his name in. Okay, so you know that one. So we talked about that word vain, vanity. It means what? Empty or like worthless. So that, t- that commandment is we shall not take the Lord's name in emptiness. We shall not call things God that aren't God. Right? So we can't just lift up our words to God while our hearts are empty. And so here he's, the people of God are saying, our serving you is empty. It's worthless. Look at what the issue was. What is the profit of keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed, evildoers only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Here is the indictment against God. We have run the right place and done the right thing, but you keep blessing the evil people. So our serving you is empty and worthless because you're not doing anything for us. We're showing up for you. You're not showing up for us. So serving you feels empty. Hmm. Think about that. For the nation of Israel, their serving had become transactional. Let's do the right thing for God so that he will do what we want him to do. And their worship and serving had become this attempted tool of manipulation to get what they wanted from God. And when God didn't give them what they thought they deserved, they considered their serving or their worship as vain and empty, so that's why we don't worship you. You keep showing up. We're looking at the people who don't love you and don't know you, and they seem to have plenty. It looks like you're blessing them. We were the ones doing the right thing. You're not blessing us, so we're not going to serve you. Serving you is vain. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. To the nation of Israel, worship and serving God had become worthless useless serving God doesn't gain us anything what good is it like we're looking around and you're not blessing us we're serving you but the wicked are blessed we're running the plays in the playbook that you gave us and you are not blessing our serving we're doing our part God but you're not serving has become vanity what we're going to see here in the book of Malachi is incredibly convicting and it's incredibly beautiful. If, if God were not a kind and loving God and he were simply just holy and just, this indictment would potentially end the relationship between him and his people and he'd choose somebody else. All right. If you, if you want to be ungrateful, if you want to forget me, then okay, I'll choose somebody else. But that's not how Malachi starts. 
In chapter 1, verse 6, God reminds them, I'm coming to you like a father, and I see you as a son. I'm not coming to you as a deity who is far off and unknown. I'm not coming to you as a deity who is only holy and just. I'm also coming to you as the one true God who is also loving. And what's at stake here is not that your worship doesn't look right. What's at stake here is our relationship. I'm calling you not to be fancy worshipers. I'm calling you back into a relationship with me. And really the issue here is worship. And in Malachi 3, 7, the first part of that verse says this. He's saying this to the nation. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Here's what I want you to do about that. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Man, it's beautiful. Jesus will teach this in the Gospel of Luke with the, with the parable that we often refer to as the prodigal son or the loving father. If you want to know what, what God's like when you rebel, when you squander, when you worship him in vain or you take him for granted, go read that parable Jesus tells us. You and I are like the son who said, staying at home and your goodness is not enough, God. We want to go make it on our own and we leave. We rebel. We go out on our own and we squander the goodness of the Lord and his blessings in our lives and we get to a place of desperate need where we can no longer meet our own needs or fix ourselves and we say, well, maybe if we go back home to dad, he'll let us become a servant and we can work our way back up in the household. And you get to the end of the parable and the, the prodigal son, the rebellious son who had taken his, his dad for granted, who had treated his dad with vanity, has now come back home, his head is low, He's hoping to beg his way back into the house. What does the loving father do when the prodigal son returns? Immediately the father returns to him. He puts a ring on his finger. You're mine. You don't have to work your way back up in my household. You're mine. And here to the entire nation, God is saying, here's what you do. Just return to me. Just come back to me. See, see what kind of God I am. Return to me, and I will return to you. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Here's what um, God is showing us. Not the entire nation, and the entire nation had not rebelled and walked away from the Lord. It was only part of them. There were still some who remained faithful to the Lord. And I, and I like, look at what, what God says here. Those who feared the Lord spoke, they got together. Like, holy cow. Did you hear what God spoke to our nation through the prophet Malachi? Yeah, like that's scary, I know. What do we do about that? They get together and look at this. The Lord paid attention and he heard them. That that's really what the whole nation wanted is, God, are you paying attention? Can you, can you hear us? It's those who feared the Lord, who had not rebelled, who had not left that relationship with him, they get together and they're like, what do we do? And the Lord pays attention and he hears them. And a book of remembrance was written before him 
of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So you've got a nation with really two camps of people. Those whose hearts have become hardened to the Lord, those who felt like God had just forsaken them, they had served him, and it wasn't gaining them any of his favor or gaining him blessing, and their hearts have become hard and bitter, and they said, why serve the Lord? It's vain. But you also had those who had remained, who had remained faithful. Their hearts were still in reverence and awe and fear and affection and adoration towards the Lord. And the Lord paid attention to them. Do you need the Lord to pay attention to you today? Is there something going on that you just really want? Will you pay attention to this? Will you hear my prayer today, Lord? Will you hear my cry for mercy? And if, if you immediately go to the playbook, what do I need to do to convince you to listen to me? You've moved into the camp of those who have walked away from the Lord. If you need that today, like I just need to know the Lord's paying attention to me. I think about um, David's Psalm 51 where he's repenting. And he's repenting before the Lord. He gets to the end of the Psalm. He's like, hey God, I figured it out. You don't want more bulls and rams. You don't want more sacrifices on the altar. What you want is a broken and a contrite heart. You want us to return to the Lord with our brokenness and our need. That's right. Return to me and I will return to you. And so if you're here today and you're like, I think I've been drifting towards that camp of like bitterness and resentfulness and I don't want to serve the Lord anymore because it's not gaining me anything. Here's what God says. Okay, well, here, here, here's the invitation. Return to me and I'll return to you. Tell you what, leave the playbook where you're at. Leave the check in your pocket. Don't go sign up to serve on a bunch of different team ministries. Don't go get busy doing stuff for me. Just come be with me. And if you can't be with me, you can't serve me. Like this reminds us of Jesus in a real story with two sisters and Martha's busy in the kitchen. She's running the place. She's doing all this stuff. She's serving the Lord and getting all this stuff ready. Is her heart in a good place? She's getting bitter and anxious and resentful because her sister is in the living room spending time with Jesus what does Jesus say Martha Martha I see all your busyness I see all your work but your sister has actually chosen the good thing she's just with me she's in here with me she's in she's doing relationship with me you're in the other room I hear you making noise in the kitchen. But I want to be with you. It's the broken and the contrite heart that I won't despise. I'll take that one every time. Every time. So the Lord paid attention. You think about these two groups of people, and I think we could just superimpose this on the church today pretty easily. In the church today, we got a camp of people who are super busy serving the Lord. They sign up for everything. And of those people, maybe some of us, maybe some of you, you're doing it and you're hoping it's going to gain you just a little bit more favor with God. When I, when I need something, like, God will go, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, yeah, I'll give that to you because you've been so faithful. You've been serving and maybe you've hit the, the place of burnout. Have you ever been there in the church? I'm talking to the church folk. 
to the place of burnout. You know what that is? That's serving the Lord in vain until you can't anymore. I know that's convicting, right? It's like serving the Lord in vain has a shelf life. You will finally find the end of yourself and you just can't white knuckle it anymore. But what do I do with that? Return to the Lord and he'll return to you. Maybe you're there right now. You're like, I just, I'm just white knuckling it. I just, if I'll just hang on a little bit longer and just, just keep showing up and keep doing the right thing, surely God's going to notice and he's going to pay attention. He's going to, he, that blessing is right around the corner. I just got to hold on a little tighter. God wants to say to you today, the blessing is me. If you want me, you can have me today. You don't have to go around the corner. Matter of fact, don't go around that corner. Return to me, and I will return to you. I love verse 17. When we return to the Lord, here's his declaration. They shall be mine. Do you remember the first question they asked God? When did you love us? God says in chapter 1 of Malachi, when I chose Jacob and not Esau, and when I chose you. Like, this is, what, this is what the Lord wants. He wants you to be his. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Do you want to be the Lord's? And then, and then look at what he says next. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. You see, the misconception, I think, of Israel, and even in the church today, is somehow we serve God as slaves serve a master. And we we forget that God has not called us to serve him that way. He's called to serve him the way a son serves a good father. Those are different. One sleeps outside in the shack, and the other one has a bedroom. One eats his meals, right, by the scraps that fall from the table, and the other one has a seat at the table. And the nation of Israel had become these bitter servants who felt like slaves to a taskmaster. God says, no, return to me, I'll return to you, and I'm going to spare you the way a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. If you've never heard the good news of the gospel and paid attention to it, would you just listen to these next few verses that I read? the book of Galatians chapter 4 I want you to listen verse 4 says this but when the fullness of time had come that means at just the right time God sent forth his son that's talking about Jesus born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. There it is. If you're in Christ today, that's you. 
You didn't come back to God as this rebellious son to become a servant in his household. You've come back to God as a loving father to be adopted, to be welcomed back in as a son and daughter. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. You've heard us talking about the Holy Spirit today. That's the Holy Spirit of God stirring in you that causes us to cry, Abba, Father, good dad, daddy, daddy. It's the Spirit in you that gives you permission. When you don't think you're worthy, when you don't think you deserve it, when you think there's no way he'll take me back, it's the Spirit in you. You're a daughter, you're a son. And we cry out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So, there are some of you, some of us in the church today, who serve God out of our worship. We bring our needs before God. He meets you in your need, and out of that comes gratitude and love that compels you to want to obey, want to sacrifice, want to serve, and want to worship. Listen, God is, he pays attention. You haven't been forsaken. He pays attention. He's written a book of remembrance. But then there are those of us who have drifted, who've become vain worshipers, our serving is in vain, We've maybe become bitter or resentful or worn out and we're just, we're running the plays and God doesn't seem to be showing up and I keep doing the right stuff and you're not showing up and and you're beginning to back away from God. Some of you may have already crossed that threshold months or years ago and so like your hearts are hard and you're like, I just don't want anything to do with God. I'm just here to get so-and-so off my back so I can say I went to church, but I'm not here to actually have a relationship with him. I don't want to have to go do all this stuff to make him happy. I don't want to have to become a busybody again just at the hopes that God might pay attention to me. And God's like, hey, I don't want all that stuff either. How about that? I don't want all that stuff either. How about this? How about you just return to me and see what I do with that? Return to me and I will return to you. That's it. That's it. I don't want Martha's. Got too many Martha's. And they make a lot of noise. And they're distracting. A little bit irritating at times. I just want Mary's. I want, I want you to come into the living room and sit down with me. And that's good news. I know there are those of us who serve God out of guilt. We serve God thinking this is how we get in his good graces. Some of us don't even serve at all. But I think there are still those who serve God as an act of worship. God pays attention, he remembers. I want to end here. When God sees a deficiency of people serving in the church, he doesn't see a recruiting problem, he sees a worship problem. So we're not recruiting today. If any of you, listen, team leaders, if anybody says, hey, I want to serve on your team today, tell them no. 
And come back and see me next week. If you still feel like you want to get involved, let's do that after Thanksgiving. Deal? We're not raising funds today. When God sees a deficit or a deficiency in giving financially in the church, he doesn't see a fundraising problem. He sees a worship problem. The point of this whole series isn't for us to like gain more information and knowledge on worship so we can become better worshipers, better performers. It's not the point of the series. The point of the series is that we would learn how to position ourselves to hear God's invitation to return to him. Not everyone has drifted, but some have. Just like Israel, some have drifted in their worship. Some have remained faithful in their worship. And, And here's the good news of the gospel. God is the good father who invites his children to return to him. We can all do that today. That's the invitation to return to him. Whether you've been here every Sunday for the last 10 years, if you need your holy high five, come see me. I'll give it to you. Good job. Doesn't earn you anything with God. Or whether this is your first time in church or first time back to church, the invitation is the same. Return to me and I will return to you. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask a couple of questions for you to think about. What does this look like in your life? And I don't know what camp you find yourself in. Maybe you feel torn between two camps. Some days it's one and some it's the other. If you're currently serving, I want you to think about this. Are you serving God out of the joy of your relationship with him? Or are you doing it out of obligation? If you feel obligation, that's not from God. It's from somewhere else. You're putting it on yourself. You're feeling it from your parents or another church. But like, that's not God. Are you serving God out of the joy of your relationship or are you serving him out of obligation? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't think I'm even serving at all. I'm not doing anything for God. So if that's you and think about this, what's keeping you on the sidelines? Are you intimidated or scared or don't know what to do? Or maybe you hit that place of burnout years ago and you're just like, I'm no way I'm stepping back into that. I'm just staying on the sidelines. Have you ever stepped away from serving God because you were burned out or needed rest? Rest won't be found in the absence of serving. Rest will be found in the presence of the Lord. So if you quit serving to get rest, all you are is Martha in the kitchen and you just put the dishes down. Rest is found in the living room where Mary's at. Rest is found in the presence of the Lord. So have you ever hit that place of burnout where you needed rest? And God said, hey, return to me. This is where you're going to find it. Return to me, and I will return to you. Just lastly, what is God calling you to do with this invitation from Malachi 3? To serve him out of a heart full of gratitude, to serve him as an act of worship, to put down being a busybody, serving in vain, serving in emptiness, What are you to do with that invitation today? And that's between you and the Lord. I want to say just a prayer over us now, and then we're going to move to baptism. Um, So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word from Malachi 3. It reminds us, first of all, of your goodness, that you were a good father. And there are probably many of us here today who have a twisted idea of who you are. It's hard for us to see you as a good father. 
For some of us, we see you as a taskmaster. We see you as a far-off deity. Thank you for just reminding us today, God, that you pay attention and you hear us. And God, thank you for reminding us that you're not calling us to become these spiritual, religious busybodies. That's not how we earn our relationship with you. It's not how we make you happy. You've had enough bulls and enough rams. But Father, today the, the sacrifice of worship is a broken and a contrite heart. So Father, all across this room, those listening online, I'm praying that we would return to you. That we might experience you returning to us. Father, thank you for being that. Thank you for being good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.